Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. This is Coach Young. Today's date is Wednesday, December 13th. Today we're going to do a college basketball focus, and we're going to do two things, one with the men, one with the women. For the men, I'm going to look at after we're one month into the season, what three teams have really played exceptionally well while looking at three teams that have really underperformed to start the season. Second fun topic, talked to a bunch of friends at a women's basketball game, came up with a great concept, top five women's college basketball players of the last 25 years. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. And let's get started in the men's game of college basketball, in which we've seen a lot of parity and a lot of topsy-turviness in regards to the rankings. But when you start looking at three teams specifically that have played exceptionally well to begin the college basketball season, you really got to think about Purdue, you got to think about Arizona, and you have to think about the Dukes of James Madison University. Yes, I said it, JMU which has done a great job of moving out of the CAA to a higher league, mainly because of football, their basketball team is balling too. And let's start right at the top with the Purdue Boilermakers. Now, folks, you guys, everybody knows this. Coach Young has never been a fan of Purdue. I mean, I mean, you, you've seen my social media stuff when I went after Purdue after they got knocked out of the first round of tournament. Purdue fans are coming after me. But I, I, I'm giving Purdue their roses because Purdue – has played exceptionally well so far to start the season, sitting at a record of 9-1. and one. Yes, I know they had that rough loss at Northwestern, but hey, Northwestern's playing pretty good basketball too, so I can't really discount uh, that loss or really give them a lot of grief for it. But when you look at the schedule that Purdue has played so far to begin the season, you know, beating Xavier by 12, beating Gonzaga by 10, beating Tennessee by 4, beating Marquette by 3, you know, beating Iowa by 18 and then a really good uh, six-point win over Alabama in which early on they were not playing well. And why is Purdue playing really well? I don't know. Maybe some seven-foot-four guy named Zach Eady, the reigning defending nation player of the year, the most dominant force in college basketball today. And Zach Eady, folks, has been absolutely fantastic. And that is obviously the biggest reason why Purdue is playing the way they are. Because what is he getting you? 24.8, 10.8 rebounds per game. I don't know, shooting an effective 63% from the floor. And as a coach, and one that coached big men, 76% from the foul line. So even when Zach Eady gets fouled, 
He's going to the foul line, and he's knocking down free throws. So the way Zach Eadie's been playing so far this year has been absolutely dominant. And if you look at some of the games that he's played against some of these big-time teams, folks, his stats have been absolutely fantastic. If you look at you know some of the games he's played so far, the Alabama game over the weekend, 37, uh, 37 minutes, 35 points, 7 rebounds, 11 for 11 for the foul. And basically, almost fouled out the whole uh, Alabama front court. Alabama fans are crying and complaining, but hey, folks, a foul is a foul. Uh, you can look at his performance against Northwestern in a loss with 35 and 14. You can look at Marquette, 28 and 15, 23 and 10 versus Tennessee, 25 and 14 versus Gonzaga, 28 and 11 versus Xavier. So he's bringing it. If you think about the games, he really hasn't scored a lot. The only three games that he scored under 20 points, Texas Southern, Moorhead State, Sam Houston State. I mean, so he's doing it when he's got to do it. So he's not padding his stats. In fact, his stats are going down when Zach is playing against lesser competition. So obviously the play of Zach Eady has been absolutely fantastic for Purdue, but you have to keep looking on the fact that I've always had with Purdue, it was the fact that they had to get a year older particularly at the guard stop spot. And Braden Smith, as a six-foot uh, sophomore, is getting a 13.2, 7.2 assists per game, top 10 in the nation, and he was absolutely fantastic against Alabama with 27 points and eight assists. And if you think about that Alabama game, folks, that thing turned in the second half, and Braden got absolutely cooking from three Four out of seven from three-point land. So, obviously, Braden Smith, as a sophomore, is giving you what you need at the point guard spot. But a point guard that can shoot the ball at 45.5% from three. So, then you got to look at a guy like a Lance Jones that's giving you 10.6 points per game. you got to look at a guy like Lawyer giving you uh, 10.2 points per game. Uh, Gill is, as, as the nails and glue guy, giving you 5.3, uh, 3.4. So Purdue, led by Zach Eady, is playing phenomenal basketball. Now, I know it's going to come down to how they play in March. But when your offense is at the 90th percentile, and you're at 91st percentile in the half court, and you are, it don't matter, you man them 89th percentile, zone 91st percentile. These are all from Synergy, folks. All these uh, metrics I'm giving you. This team is so dynamic offensively. The key is going to be this. When they run their, their their action, right, they do a lot of horn stuff, high screen, pin down, put Edie in the middle of the, low, the middle of the lane where you can't double him, he goes to the jump hook. If the refs call fouls and he doesn't get pushed off his spot, Zach Edie's an automatic 25 and 10 a night. That's going to be hard to stop. But if Smith, Jones, Lawyer, can they shoot and knock down shots and they continue to play well? Purdue will be in the uh, hunt for a national championship. Let's move on to the number one team in the country in Arizona. And this is an Arizona team that has always been dynamic offensively. You thought Purdue was at a great 90 percentile. Well, Arizona at the 95th percentile offensively, 93rd percentile against man, 97th percentile against zone. So they are phenomenal offensively, and they do it differently than Purdue. Well, they hit you in waves. Caleb Love, Caleb Love. Let's talk about him, folks, because Caleb Love, some people question some of the shots he took uh, when he was at North Carolina. Listen, he's never going to be a high 
uh, shooting percentage guy. He's a, he's a volume guy. He, he needs volume to get his points. But Caleb's giving you 14.1 and giving you 4.5 assists per game. So if you think about his stats compared to the rest of his career, he's scoring less, but he's assisting more. And I think that's the big thing with Caleb Love. Now, if he can get his three-point shooting percentage up to about 36 37%, which was his career high a couple of years ago, I think that would be absolutely fantastic. But there's more than that. How about, how about Kashad Johnson giving you 12.6, 6.9? Another guy, fifth-year guy, experience, right? A, a guy that's gotten you double figures pretty much every game, game in, game out. Really a tough and rugged, athletic, uh, six-foot, seven-inch senior who also, might I add, may need to shoot the ball a little bit better from three. And then there's the big boy, Omar Balo. Oh, Ooh, he only gave you 12.5 and 6.3, right? Now, that's scoring down from last year. His rebounds are down this year, but he's shooting it still at 64% from the floor, or 68% from the floor, which is up. But the big thing with Omar is 38.5% for the line. Brother, come on, man. Come on, man. We, we got you guys. Brother, go, into the, go, in, go in there and get some free throws in during – Practice. You know what? Don't even do it during practice. Pre-practice, post-practice, before dinner, after dinner, at night, in the morning, pre-game, post-game. Omar, get to the foul line and knock down some free throws. Boswell's giving you 12.4. Lawrence, uh, Lawrence is giving you 12.3. You know, they got a couple of guys giving you over seven. So you have a team that is really playing exceptional basketball in Arizona, and it's no reason why they are the number one team in the country with a schedule so far that, okay, they beat Duke. They want to Duke. Duke's not playing well. We'll get to them in a second. They beat Michigan State by six. They're not playing well. We'll get to them in a second. But they also have a 25-point win versus Wisconsin. And we'll see on Saturday when Purdue and Arizona meet. That is going to be outstanding. But think about this, folks. We'll know more about Arizona. Next three games, Purdue, Alabama, Florida Atlantic. By the end of this calendar year, we will continue to talk about if the Arizona Wildcats are for real, and I think they are. But let's go to a team off the beaten path that's been absolutely fantastic. How about the Dukes of James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia? Know how to get there? Put in ways. I'll help you get there. But they came off opening night with a win at Michigan State by three. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But they beat Kent State in two overtimes. They had a really good win over, over a sneaky good Radford team by three. And they have played exceptionally well. And, and I'm going to say this, folks. You're not going to have many times to look at the rest of the schedule. Ready for this? And tell me, when are they going to be underdogs? So this team is sitting at undefeated at 9-0 in the Sunbelt Conference. They, we could be talking later in the year if this team could be undefeated through the regular season. Now, I probably just jinxed them, and they're going to probably lose their next game. But this team is an absolutely fantastic. Another team that just hits you in waves. Terrence Edwards getting you uh, 12 I'm sorry, 17.9 points per game, 42% from three, 80 
and a half percent from the foul line. And think about just the, the, the sum of the parts of this team, right? A uh, bigger step, a, a load, an absolute load. TJ Bickerstaff at six foot nine. This brother's shooting 67% from the floor. Now he's shooting 54 for the line. So TJ, brother, you and Omar Balo got to go hang out and work on your free throw game. But you got him shooting 67%, Green shooting 47%, Friedel shooting 44%, Wooden shooting 47%. Like, are you kidding me? And you got three guys from three that are getting you at 42.4% from three or better? That is why James Madison's been absolutely dynamic with the 94th percentile offensive points per possession. They are 92nd percentile against man, 88th percentile against uh, zone. And then you start looking at the shots they make. Oh, I'm sorry. Catch and shoot, 85th percentile. Your guard don't matter. 91st percentile. Pull up jumpers, 91st percentile. And they're in the 91st percentile and three-point attempts. That is absolutely absurd at 1.15 points per shot. And if you think about that, folks, when you have your three of your top four scores shooting at least 42.4% from three, that is going to be something to watch on. So look out for the Dukes of James Madison to see if they can continue their success. While we have the teams we love, we got to go to the teams that are not playing well. And let's start at the top with the Duke Blue Devils. A Duke Blue Devil team that people had, I think, number two in the polls. People thought that they were going to be a national championship contender. Well, obviously, Kyle Filipowski's done what he's got to do at 18.4 points per game, 9.2 rebounds per game. Roach is doing what he's got to do at 14.8. Mitchell's playing well. So you start looking around, and you're like, well, you know, you look at the, some of the stats of the top players, and you're saying to yourself, what's going on? Well, folks, anytime they've played on the road, it's been a problem. Folks, do you know how many games Dukes play on the road? Do you know? The answer is two. You know how many wins they have in those two games? None. None. They've lost uh, at home to Arizona, which is nothing, which is obviously at that time Arizona was number 12 in the country. That's you can't knock them for that. But they lost at Arkansas and they lost at Georgia Tech. Shout out to Damon Sotomayor doing a good job over there at Obviously, Georgia Tech. So when you start looking at Duke, what, what, where, what's going on? Well, their offense has been absolutely fantastic. You know, John Shire's got a, a great group of guys here, but defensively, 54 percentile, that's not good enough. That's not Duke basketball. As much as people talk about how great Duke has been offensively, Coach K always, always preached defense. They don't score in transition, right? Their out-of-bounds performance plays are, are really poor. Uh, you know, they're managed, you know, so defensively, they are not great at special situations. At last four seconds of a shot clock, 20th percentile. So they're not getting stops at the end of shot clock, right? Uh, they can't press teams. They're at 20 percentile, so they can't play from behind. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Duke, but it's got to be more than the play of Filipowski and Roach. They got to get better production out of some of their guys, and particularly they have to do a better job of rebounding. Only one guy in Filipowski getting more than 4.9 rebounds per game. We'll see how Duke looks uh, in the ACC. Remember, folks, they got to go uh, to Baylor next week and then Queens University before they start uh, the, the, the bulk, or I should say, uh, the bulk, I should say, of their uh, ACC play. 
Let's move on to the biggest disappointment in basketball in Michigan State. I, I came on, I thought that Michigan State was going to be a Final Four team because I've always believed in, in the greatness of Tom Izzo. But you start, you got to start to question what's going on in East Lansing. Think about the loss opening night was a stunner to James Madison. Losing by nine to Duke. You said, okay, all right, they're getting better. But to, to me, not even a loss to Arizona by six. That's fine. It's the last two losses by 13 to Wisconsin and really the 77-70 loss at Nebraska. Well, what is the problem with this team? Lord have mercy. They struggle against man-to-man in the 28th percentile. They can't score. And they have had, folks, some, I would dare say, horrific shooting nights and numbers from three. Now, you're going to start looking and say, well, obviously, you know, uh, Walker's playing great, getting you 20.3 points per game, but he's only shooting 33.3% from three. Well, is that a problem? Yes, considering that last year he shot 41.5, and the year before that, 47.3. Uh, A.J. Hogard getting you 10.3 points per game. Well, you're like, oh, well, that's not bad. Well, he's shooting at a 25% from three as opposed to 32.9% from three. Let's move on. You got to look at a guy like uh, a Malik Hall, who I've been a big fan of, but I just never seen Malik like take that step where I think he's got to be. 10.3 points per game. Yeah, it's career high. I think he's better than that. What's Malik Hall shooting? 20% from three. Do you want me to keep going with these stats, or are we kind of getting what's going on? And a kid like Aikens, 9.7 points per game, 42% from three last year, 29.7. So uh, so Michigan State is basically in the 12th percentile in dribble pull-up jumpers. They're in 29th percentile catch and shoot, and then the 17th percentile and three-pointers. They got to knock down shots. If they can knock down shots from three, Izzo will find a way. I know it doesn't look good right now, Michigan State fans, but I still trust Tom Izzo to fix it. But the one thing a coach can't do, folks, you can't put the ball in the basket for you. Those kids got to knock down shots. And let's end with Villanova, a team that I have really gone after Kyle Neptune for, for their performance. Why, folks? They spent $2 million in NIL money, and they brought in Burton, and they brought in Bamba, and they brought in Hart. They brought in where? They brought in all these guys to come in and really turn around Villanova. Well, they're getting the performances they need out of Eric Dixon. Now, his his shooting percentages are a little bit down, but he's still giving you 13.6 and seven points. I'm sorry, seven rebounds per game. Justin Moore has not been the just, listen, Justin Moore has not been the same since the Achilles injury. And I thought he was going to be better this year. Uh, only 13.3 points per game. And the concerning part about Justin Moore uh, is he's got a career low shooting percentage from the floor and a career shooting percentage low from three. Now, he's getting you 96% from the line, and he's only giving you 2.2 assists. So Justin Moore is still not playing the Justin Moore that we saw before he tore his Achilles in that game versus Houston, and I really think that Villanova maybe could have won the national championship. Tyler Burton, it's been up and down with Tyler, starting to play a little bit better with 18 points in the last game versus UCLA. But Tyler's giving you 9.8 points per game. Guys, this was this was a 19-point-per-game score at University of Richmond. Tyler can score. 
he's, he's going to get better. So where am I going with this? You know, obviously, really quick, uh, you know, T.J. Obama, really good kid out of Washington State, getting you only 9.1. Hakeem Hart, transfer, 6.5. What is it? Is it the fit? Is it the system? Is it they can't get to play together? Is it Coach Neptune? I don't know. But Villanova has been a problem all year, and they have to fix it. And they have to get better play out of more and the transfers. Dixon has been Dixon. He's been pretty good. They've been getting good play at times out of Malik Armstrong. Um, Longino is, is giving them pretty good minutes at getting them at, at 9.5 points per game, up from five points per game last year. So it's got to be the play of the transfers and Justin Moore. Let's end today's podcast with a really fun subject for me, which is the top 25 women's basketball players in the history of college basketball last 25 years, right? So I sent this out to a bunch of my friends, and I'm not going to name them, but shout out to, to all my friends in, in college basketball, uh, NAU circuit and USA basketball that got back to me when I asked them who were their top five women's basketball players of all time. So I, I want to make sure you understand when the last 25 years, I want you to understand this. Winning does matter in this category. Winning does. Now, if you don't win a championship, that doesn't mean you can't get in the top five, but it does hurt you. Let's start off with my honorable mention because it was really hard for me to get the five. So my honorable mention is this. Sue Bird, the great point guard out of UConn who had just finished her WNBA career before last season. Kelsey Blum out of Washington, the star guard for the Las Vegas Aces, two-time WNBA champion. How can I forget the run that Brittany Griner did at Baylor, winning, taking them to a national championship uh, in her junior year? Uh, how about Sabrina, my buddy Sabrina Inescu and the play that she did over at uh, Oregon for my, my buddy Kelly Graves and her stats and what she's done for the New York Liberty. And last in my top five, and this is going to be interesting, folks, because when I sent it out, when sports were getting it out to the public, 43% of you said this lady, Caitlin Clark, did not make my top five. The reason being is I needed to see her get all the way and win a national championship. And her stats have been absolutely fantastic. And she's done, if you think about who has meant the most to the women's college basketball game in the last 25 years, you could argue it could be Caitlin Clark because of the popularity of the sport in the last 12 months. But I can't put Caitlin Clark there yet. If she goes wins a natty, then we could talk. So let's go to my top five players of the last 25 years, starting with the number five player in on my board. And this is something that was really tough for me, and that's Asia Wilson. Because it's between Asia and, and, and obviously Caitlin Clark. But I can't mistake what Asia Wilson has done as a national championship, three-time SEC player of the year, one-time nation uh, award winner, and really is the player that kind of got Dawn Staley over the hump and got South Carolina to a national championship. And you've obviously seen what Asia Wilson has done for her career so far for the Las Vegas Aces. Let's go on to number four, Amaya Moore. 
Now, Maya could be considered to be higher. You, you can really put – you can easily argue any of these top five, let's be honest. But Maya Moore at 19.7 points per game, 8.3 rebounds per game, two-time Naismith Award winner, two-time national champion of the UConn Huskies, and would have been – ready, folks? One of the greatest WNBA players in history if she would have kept playing – and we know what the good deed that she has done with prisoner reform and, and, and her relationship and what she's done in that. And shout out to Maya Moore, who's been absolutely fantastic. I've been a big fan of Maya Moore's game. And I'll tell you right now, if she went to back in the WBA right now, she'd still give y'all buckets at 20 points a game. Let's go on to number three, Candace Parker. Candace at 19.4 points per game over her career, 8.8 rebounds, 54% from the floor, Two-time champion, one-time Naismith Award winner. And with Candace, she was the last great, maybe say great player for the late Pat Summit, who one day, folks, I'm gonna have, I think it's be a good idea. I was talking to Joe Montano, my mentor, the great high school basketball coach at Red Bank Catholic High School, uh, kind of like my big brother. And Joe gave me the top five coaches. So I think I'm going to do a top five coaches next. All right, in a couple of weeks. Top five women's basketball coaches of all time. We'll do one for the men as well. But Candace Parker, fantastic career, continuing to excel on the court. She got an injury last year with the Las Vegas Aces. She should be back. Number two, some could argue the GOAT, but she's number two, and that's Diana Taurasi. Diana Taurasi, 16.2 points per game, uh, 4.7 rebounds, three-time national champion, and two-time Naismith Award winner. Diana Taurasi with Sue Bird. Folks, this that may be the greatest backcourt in the history of basketball. But forget college. Forget men's or women. I mean, Bird and Taurasi, I mean, Lord have mercy. Try stopping them. They got three national championships, two uh, Nas, uh, Nate Smith award winners, uh, award-winning awards for her. And lastly, my number one, Brianna Stewart, a.k.a. Stewie. Why? 17.8, 7.8, 2.7 assists per game, 58% from the floor, 35.5% from three, four-time national champion, three-time Nature the Moore winner, and I do believe, if I was, am I correct, she won the most outstanding player in the Final Four all four years. So she put up the stats, she delivered in the clutch, the, the, the stretch four that Brianna Stewart has done and what she has done for that UConn program, she now obviously plays, uh, back, I wouldn't say back home, Stewie's from upstate New York, played her AAU ball with, with the Philadelphia Bells. Uh, shout out to, to uh, my buddy Kevin Lynch, who kind of was one of the people that gave him the idea for this podcast. But Brianna Stewart, number one, Tarasi, number two, Candace Parker, three, and then obviously we go with Maya Moore, four, Asia Wilson, five. That is my top five. And this has been the Betting Above the Rim podcast for December the 13th. It's always a pleasure for you to watch. But here's a great way to watch. How about the Sports Grid app, folks? How about downloading that today on iOS and Android to get all your information when it comes to the world of sports gambling? Pre-game, in-game, post-game, props predictions, plays from the best of the business. 
You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not even naming everybody this week because I name them every time. They know who they are. You know who they are. And if you don't know who they are, you should be on that app. Next podcast will air next Monday to be released on Tuesday. We'll get into a couple of things, including with UConn. Why aren't they playing well, Gino Oriema's team? And we'll look at the Defensive Player of the Year award uh, right now. This has been the Betting Rhythm Podcast. Once again, this is Coach Young. Always remember, folks, it's smarter to be on SportsGrid. Take care. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 